This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there and thanks again for joining me. I am Robbie Bergen and you are listening to The Faith Experiment. This is episode 8 of The Faith Experiment and I'm calling this episode, What Does God Want? This is a show about exploring faith and trying to make faith so practical we can experiment with it. And as I start out with the faith experiment, I thought it'd be fitting to first look at my own personal journey as I started to experiment with faith. You see, if you're joining me for the first time, this show is not just talking about theories and dusty old books. It's about real life. And so far, I've been talking you through how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter. Well, once again, I'd love to hear from you today. Where are you listening to The Faith Experiment from right now? Let me know by texting me on 4 or email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au or you can message me on the Faith FM Facebook page. Now, in this episode, I have a great mystery gift to give away today. I can't say much right now about it, but... If you stick around to get the code word during the show, you will be able to claim this mystery gift. You'll need to text the code word to 0488845311. So save the number in your phone, 0488845311, and wait for the code word to claim today's free mystery gift. Well, so far on The Faith Experiment, I've been sharing with you how a number of events happened to me, which, looking back at, I see as metaphysical. But at the time, as an atheist, as a skeptic, I didn't know what to make of them. But as 911 transpired and all the various areas of life started to become affected, I was led on a quest, a quest of discovery and faith. And as I've shared, it cost me everything. It cost me my engagement. It cost my social circle. And with the economic uncertainty, my financial future was now in doubt. And although during the day I was working as a problem solver, every evening I was digging through ancient manuscripts, world religions and artifacts and relics, looking for meaning, looking for insight into what was taking place in the world. And as the year 2002 came around, life became strangely uncertain. There isn't a dimension of our lives, of our government, of our country, of our foreign policy that has not been impacted by 9-11. It was more an attack on American capitalism. We knew that this, this was one of those fulcrum moments, economically, politically, psychologically. She said, Mother, I feel like uh, Alice in Wonderland. I've gone through the looking glass and nothing will be the same again. 9-11 shook us to our core. Anybody that was of age during that time, it's like the Kennedy assassination. Where were you on 9-11? And everybody has their story. It, it, it has marked our generation. It was a win for the bad guys. We can't let that happen again. Now, if you missed any of the previous episodes and you want to catch up on some of the details, go and get the Faith FM app from your app store or go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcast section for the faith experiment. Now, on the last episode, Testing the Gods, 
I shared with you how when you place all these world religions on the table, so to speak, and you examine all of these holy texts, it becomes very apparent that there is claim after claim that God is the author of these holy texts. But with all these holy texts, there is very little given to you and me as the reader or the skeptic in way of evidence to support these claims. It's basically presented in the light of tradition and culture. And somehow this is supposed to serve as proof that these texts are in fact authored by God. And as I shared with you on the last episode, only the Hebrew manuscripts stand alone among the other texts when it comes to testability. You see, one of the major differences between all of these world religious texts is prophecy. This is what the Hebrew texts hold up as evidence that they come from God. And I shared that concept I found, which is repeated numerous times in these Hebrew manuscripts, that God will tell the future before it happens. And when it happens, that is the proof that God is the author of these texts. Now, why is prophecy so important? And why does the Hebrew text hold it up as the evidence that it comes from God? Well, it's really simple. You see, it's really, really difficult to tell the future. And according to studies into the accuracy of psychic predictions, it's only about 16%, or for every 100 predictions about the future, only 16 of them actually are correct. And so, as I shared, I came across these facts that you need two things to be able to tell the future. You need to find historical, accurate sources of history and reliable sources of prophecy. If you have these two things, then you have the real deal. You have the holy grail of prophetic insight. And that is exactly what I found with these Hebrew manuscripts. With the use of archaeology and those three significant discoveries I shared with you in the last episode of the Rosetta Stone and the Behistun inscription and the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Hebrew manuscripts prove to be historically accurate documents. And as I started to explore the prophecies of the Old Testament, I was left in absolute awe. I saw in just the first few prophecies I examined absolute uncanny accuracy. I've already shared with you two of them. That prophecy in Daniel chapter 8, which had those 12 predictive elements, where it mentions with pinpoint accuracy the names of kingdoms and the characteristic of successive kingdoms. Every one of those 12 predictive elements came to pass. The names were right. The locations were right. The numbers were right. The characteristics were right. The sequence was right, exactly as the prophecy predicted. Now, the chances of one human being living more than 600 years before the event being able to do this is absolutely impossible. And then I explored that ancient Hebrew prophecy of Daniel chapter 2. When I looked at this amazing prediction of successive world powers down through the ages, I found that there were seven predictive elements, that Babylon would fall to Medo-Persia, and Medo-Persia to Greece, and Greece to Rome, and then Rome was to divide. And then trying to unite through marriage, Rome would still fail to be united, exactly as the prophecy had said. And then it takes you all the way down to what it calls the last empire. And of these seven predictive elements, six have already come to pass. 
Now, by just the sheer force of logic, the odds would suggest that if six of the seven predictive elements have already happened, then the seventh is very, very, very likely to happen as well. And so, I have to admit, when I first encountered this prophecy, I was skeptical. I mean, the idea that more than 2,600 years of human history was being told in advance by a dream of about 140 words, it's hard to believe. But this claim forced me to recognize that either I was dealing with something that was a hoax or something that is supernatural. So all of this was amazing and interesting and intriguing. And it suggested that there is a probability that there is a supernatural being out there who did in fact author these texts. I mean, I thought of it this way. If I obviously don't have all knowledge, what if God did exist in the knowledge that I didn't have? I mean, just using the laws of probability, you'd have to concede that God could exist. And now, with the laws of mathematical probability being almost shattered by these claims of these manuscripts that God is the author of these predictive elements, which have come accurately to pass time and time again, I started to give the benefit of the doubt to these text claims. And so I decided to run a scenario. Let me assume just for a minute that God does exist and that he did in fact author these Hebrew manuscripts. What would be the next logical thought? And so as I thought about it, I came up with a logical thought, which was, so what? Followed by, what's the purpose of these prophecies? Why go to all the effort of telling us something before it happens? Where is the value in this knowledge? I mean, what's the purpose of these prophecies? Why has God gone to all this effort? What does God want? Well, we have to take a short break now, but when we come back, we'll continue with my faith experiment as I seek to understand what God wants. And don't forget to stick around to get today's code word for the mystery gift. We'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 04888 45311. That's 04888-45311. Or send an email to Peace. 
peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. How we trials and temptations is their trouble any Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 8 of the Faith Experiment, and I'm calling this episode, What Does God Want? Now remember, I have a mystery gift to give away today. I can't give away too much, but it is an e-gift and it's connected to today's topic. So stick around today to get the code word during the show, and you'll need to text the code word to 0488-453-11. So save that number in your phone, 0488-453-11, and wait for the code word. We are talking about what does God 
want. And before the break, I share with you how I reached a point where after looking at the evidence of archaeological findings and cross-examining the various world religious texts, I reached a point that I decided to, for the sake of argument, run through a scenario where I assume that God does exist and that he did author these Hebrew manuscripts. Now, my next logical thought in this scenario would be, so what? What's the purpose of prophecy? Why go to all the effort to tell us something before it happens? Where is the value of this knowledge? What does God want? And so I started to, again, write down my findings and my thoughts. And I ended up with this logic. According to God, the proof of his claim that he is God and there is no one else is found in this statement where he says, I will declare the future before it happens and when it happens, you will know that I am God. And as I looked at this statement, what I started to see was that prophecy is God's signature. And the more I looked at it, the more it became clearer. No other religious text makes that kind of specific claim, that kind of test, because it doesn't have God's signature on it. The other texts give us no way to test it, no way to test as to whether or not the author was in fact a deity. We're just meant to accept it. And so, if prophecy is God's signature, then with each fulfilled prophecy comes more certainty that God is God and that there is no one else. And these texts are, in fact, authored by the one and only, literally, God. Now, up until this point, I had been focusing my study, my exploration on the ancient Hebrew manuscripts, which today most would identify as the Old Testament. And so I turned my attention to the Greek manuscripts or the New Testament of the Bible. Now, these texts are held as a continuation of the Hebrew teachings by Christians and were never meant to be seen as a different version or a replacement for the Hebrew texts. In fact, every one of the Greek writers refer back to the Hebrew manuscripts for evidence of their foundation. Now, for a Christian, Jesus is believed to be the very person of God in human flesh, hence the name Son of God. And all the New Testament Greek manuscripts are centered on this belief. Now, as I turned to explore the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ, I found among the many teachings on this topic of prophecy a statement that just jumped out at me. It comes from a Greek manuscript titled John and chapter 14. To set the context for this passage, Jesus is telling his followers how that the hour is coming when he will leave this earth and return back to his Father in heaven. And he starts the passage by telling his disciples, Let not your heart be troubled. You see, difficult times were coming to his followers, to God's people, and Jesus says to them, Don't be afraid. As he continues this teaching moment, I found that he says in verse 29 of the same chapter, Now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe. You see, apparently, Jesus wants his people, his followers, the Christian, to have something that they could hold on to so that when it comes to pass, when these difficult times come to pass, that his words will strengthen 
their faith, their belief. So we have in the Hebrew manuscripts or the Old Testament, you have God saying, I'm going to tell you the future. And when it happens, the way I said it will happen, you will know that I'm God and the only God. I am the one who is sovereign. You will see my signature in these texts. But then in the Greek manuscripts or the New Testament, you have Jesus teaching, I'm going to tell you what's going to take place so that when it does take place, your faith will be strengthened and you will be comforted when your heart is troubled. So prophecy is God's signature. And for Jesus, it's the source of comfort for his followers. Now, this discovery was amazing because it led me back to one of the places this whole journey had started, the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1 and in verse 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bear witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. There it was. You see, in this verse, in this opening verse of this manuscript, it starts with that this book is revealing, or the apocalypsis of Jesus Christ, and he is giving it to us. And this thing that he is giving to us, it says, will shortly come to pass. Now remember, why does Jesus want to reveal things which must shortly come to pass? Well, he told his followers it was to bring us comfort. And then in the last part of the same verse, the text says, and he sent and signified it. This word signified, I found, came from the Greek word which conveys the idea of a signature. So in the first verse of the book of Revelation, or the Apocalypsis, I found the two elements as to what the function of prophecy is. It's the signature that shows that God is sovereign, and it is the comfort for a troubled heart. But I still had that unanswered thought. What is the point of prophecy? Why does it matter that God is the author of these texts? What does God want? Well, it's that time again. We need to take a short break. But when we come back, we'll continue with my quest to find out what the purpose of prophecy is and what does God want. And coming up on today's show is today's code word for the mystery gift. We'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate. I can feel when my mind starts to creep into doubt. On the days when the strength in my heart's giving out There's a light but it hides from me deep in the cloud There's a voice that I need but I don't hear a sound If Fighting out of all my 
Questions about this episode? Robbie would love to hear from you. Send a text to 0488 
his name And say, Father, forgive me I know that I'm lost You'll be found at that old rugged cross to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen and this is episode 8 of The Faith Experiment which I'm calling What Does God Want? Now coming up today is today's code word for the mystery gift. It's an e-gift and it is related to today's topic. So if you want to save the number 04888 into your phone, Get ready to text the code word as soon as you hear it. 4 Now, before the break, I shared with you how I came across the function of prophecy, how that it serves as a signature for God. It shows how he is sovereign and that there is no other God but him. And it also serves as a very real and tangible source of faith, of belief, of hope, and of comfort for the follower of Jesus. But I still had that unanswered thought. What's the purpose of prophecy? What does God want? 
So once I saw that prophecy proves the existence of God and proves the claim that he is the author of these texts, what happens next? Well, the answer to that came as I was reading the life and teachings of Jesus in those four manuscripts known as the Gospels or the Good News. These Gospels are made up of four manuscripts titled Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Now, I shared with you on previous episodes how I ended up getting the Bible as an audio Bible on CD, and this allowed me to listen to any part of this book at any time. And so as I was driving while I was at work, I would listen to the voice of Alexander Scorby reading the Bible to me. Now, one particular day, I was listening to the book of John, or the Gospel of John as it's more commonly known. And there was a story on how one day Jesus was healing and teaching in the temple. And the religious leaders of that day, they started to plot to have Jesus killed. Now, the reason for this was that Jesus had done a healing on what it calls the Sabbath day, the rest day. And by doing that, the Pharisees claimed that he was breaking the law and somehow he was making himself equal to God. And as a result, the leaders wanted him dead. And so there in chapter 5 of the Gospel of John, Jesus turns to the religious leaders and says that there are four witnesses that have been given them. And if they had have accepted them as witnesses, they would have accepted him. But they rejected them. Now, this is what Jesus is claimed to have said in this manuscript in verse 32. He says, There is another who bears witness of me. And I know that the witness with which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. The second witness Jesus describes in verse 36. He says, But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which my Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness. So Jesus is saying that they should have recognized that his works testify to the fact that he is the Messiah. Now, the third witness is in verse 37. Jesus says this, And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. And so, Jesus is claiming that God the Father is the third witness. And the fourth witness that is mentioned is in verse 39. It says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. You see, what Jesus has just done is absolutely remarkable. Jesus has just stated that these manuscripts, the Hebrew manuscripts specifically speaking, they exist for the same purpose and the same reason and function as John the Baptist did, or the miracles and the works of Jesus, or the Father's declaration at Jesus' baptism. The manuscripts bear a testimony of Jesus, or a witness to Jesus. So Jesus' answer to my question, what was the purpose of prophecy or these ancient manuscripts? Jesus' answer is, they exist to testify or provide a testimony of himself. Now, what I found really interesting was that this word testify in the original Greek language is the same word as the English word martyr. Now, in its original meaning, the word martyr means witness, which was not just a religious word but it was also used in a secular sphere in the times of these Greek manuscripts. The process of being a witness was not intended to lead 
to the death of the witness. Although it is known from ancient historians like Josephus that witnesses often did die for their testimonies in a religious sphere. So this is pretty remarkable because it gives us the idea that these prophecies, these manuscripts, were given to bear record as a witness or as a martyr to Jesus Christ. So in a way, you could say that these ancient manuscripts are just like having a living, breathing witness on the stand, whose job it is to give an account of what they have seen and what they have heard. Maybe this is why John, the author of this book and the author of a little epistle, states these words. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John is calling himself a witness in the same way that Jesus is calling the manuscripts and these prophecies as a witness. Now, to understand how these ancient manuscripts are a witness or a martyr to Jesus, I found a statement written by Paul, who is known as a leader in the Jesus movement in the late 30s AD. He wrote a Greek letter called the second letter to Timothy. And in chapter 3 and verse 14, this is what it says, speaking to Timothy, Paul says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He then adds this, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul confirms that the prophecies or the scriptures were given to lead us to Jesus Christ. But he also adds that there are four lenses in which the scripture does this. Now, I spent some time exploring how these four reasons or functions of Scripture that Paul gives actually work and how they testify of Jesus. And this is what I found. The first lens that Paul gives is called doctrine. And the word doctrine in Greek literally means a teacher or teachings. So the idea is is that somehow the Word of God, these ancient manuscripts, they are humanity's teacher. So, how does doctrine reveal or testify of Jesus? Well, doctrine provides the framework for revealing or testifying of Jesus. For example, doctrines testify of Jesus in regards to things like how salvation works, what sin is, why and what is death, what's heaven, when and where is hell, the purpose of baptism, what is holiness, how creation works, the reasons for social justice, the importance of hospitality, how to overcome addiction, and much, 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 much more. You see, without the teacher of doctrine, I guess humanity would never know what Jesus was like, what he stood for, or what he stood against. So, in this way, doctrine is a teacher. Next, Paul mentions that the second reason for Scripture is to reprove. These prophecies or scripture or manuscripts, they're given to the reader as a reprover. And again, the word reprove in the Greek language conveys the idea that as evidence is presented, it points out or convicts humanity that their current action or belief is wrong, where it is wrong. So how is being reproved connected to testifying of Jesus? Well, the scriptures need to show humanity the facts. 
and it needs to expose certain things to point out where humanity is directly contradicting the very character of Jesus. And so, in that respects, these prophecies or these manuscripts or the scripture was given as a reprover. Thirdly, Paul says the scriptures are for correction. And the word correction here is the idea of reforming or straightening out. And the implication is is that humanity's default nature is not in the right state or the original state. And so through the scriptures, humanity is going to be restored back to their right state through correction. And Paul's last reason for the scriptures is that it is for instruction in righteousness. Once again, by digging a little bit deeper and looking into the original Greek language, the word that Paul chose to use here, it literally means to train up a child in right doing. Another way to say it would be that the scriptures are given to instruct humanity on how to grow up and how to live a right life. And the definition or the standard of what that right life looks like is the life of Jesus. And so what I started to see was that God uses prophecy to get our attention, to give us something to experiment with, something to test his claims with. But once that's been established... Once the question has been answered that he is the author of these texts, he desires to move us beyond that. You see, some people spend all their time, all their days, trying to argue and prove or disprove the existence of God. But this is really just the first base of the quest, the first step of the quest. Or you could think of it as the stepping stone to something much, much more important, something much more profound. It's kind of like you learn your phonics in grade one. For what purpose? Well, to read. You see, phonics is not the destination. It's a first stepping stone to unlock the universe of reading. But then even reading is not the destination either. It's a stepping stone. It's a learning tool which helps you obtain information. You see, the same is true with these manuscripts and their prophecies. Prophecy is not the destination. It's a stepping stone. God's purpose is to move beyond that level of testing him. There's much more he desires with us than just proving his existence. He seeks to move us beyond this point in this great faith experiment. Well, it's time again to take a short break, but when we come back... We'll continue with my quest in trying to understand what God wants. And coming up after the break is today's code word for the mystery, e-gift. We'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my life Thou hast It is well. 
Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode eight of the Faith Experiment, and I'm calling it What Does God Want? Now I've been sharing with you how since I found that prophecy was given as proof to the claim that God is the author of these manuscripts, I started exploring that thought. So what? What difference does it make that we can know the future? And that God is the author of these texts. And as I started reading these texts, I came across that teaching moment in which Jesus states that the purpose of these manuscripts or scriptures is to serve as a witness. That they testify of God. Their their function is like that of a martyr, a person who takes the stand and shares what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've touched. In short, what they've experienced. And just before the break, I shared with you how I found in a Greek manuscript written by the Apostle Paul that he unpacked this thought by explaining how these texts or manuscripts that make up the scriptures, they give us doctrine or teachings. These help us understand the framework of God. Next, they reprove, which in the Greek language conveys the idea that as evidence is presented, it points out or convicts the student of these texts of where and how their current actions or belief are wrong. Next, they correct, which is the idea of reforming or straightening out. The implication is that humanity's default nature is not in a right state or original state. And so, 
through the scriptures, humanity is going to be restored back to their right state through correction. And lastly, Paul explains how these manuscripts are given for instruction in righteousness, which has the image of training up a child in right doing. So as I contemplated these findings, I started to see a bigger picture. At some point in time, a supernatural being called Shangdi or Elohim or El Shaddai, call him God, call him whatever you want to call him. But at some point in time, God, he intersects time and space and he communicates with us, with humanity. And this communication is codified, it's written down. His words are captured on these ancient scrolls. And as anyone would logically assume that with the passing of time and of generations, the authenticity of these words would be called to question. And so a perpetual test, a eternal signature is placed upon them that would allow anyone from any generation, any culture, any time period to check, to test, to experiment with prophecy. Prophecy would be God's signature on these documents. But once the authenticity is confirmed, once access is gained, as these manuscripts are opened, as these words and thoughts of God are studied and explored, a picture would be seen that the actual reason for these words, the real reason for the communication, is to provide a witness, like a living, breathing witness. These words are designed to outlive a messenger, to transcend time and place. And so this written witness will be our teacher, our corrector, our reprover, our instructor. And so I started searching these ancient manuscripts for the message. What did God want? What was he trying to say? And I started coming across passages like these. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then there's this verse in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 I found, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And then in chapter 29 verse 11 it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And then in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And then, it hit me. I had it wrong. The thought was wrong. I was asking the wrong question. The question is not, what does God want? But the question is, who does God want? 
And as I sat there looking at my findings so far in this journey, this faith experiment, the answer to that question, who does God want? The answer was me. God wants me. You see, every one of those passages from manuscripts that were written millennia before I was even born, they had a message for me. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise to Robbie, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards Robbie, not willing that Robbie should perish, but that Robbie should come to repentance. For God so loved Robbie that he gave his only begotten son that if Robbie believes in him, Robbie should not perish but have everlasting life. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires Robbie to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Before I formed Robbie in the womb, I knew Robbie. Before Robbie was born, I sanctified him. For I know the thoughts that I think towards Robbie, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give Robbie a future and a hope. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Robbie. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, Robbie, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths, Robbie. These texts were talking to me. They were written for me. I shared with you on an earlier episode how after exploring who and what God is according to all these world religions, I ended up with a circle with the name of God written in it. And inside that circle I had all the characteristics and attributes I could find from these ancient manuscripts and texts. And I share with you how I sat there looking at that piece of paper and how every single attribute and characteristic of God was something that I was looking for in my life. I was looking for love. I was looking for hope. I was looking for truth. I was looking for peace. I was looking for the way. And I realized there on that night that I was looking for God. But now, with these passages from these ancient manuscripts, I realized that God wanted me. Next time on The Faith Experiment, I will continue to take you on my personal faith experiment and how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have a great mystery gift today. I can't give away any of the details, unfortunately, but all I can say is this. It's an e-gift, and it is connected to today's topic, and I think you are really going to enjoy it. So if you'd like to get today's mystery e-gift, all you need to do is take out your phone and text the code word WHO, W-H-O, WHO, Text it to 04888-45311 and the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply asking you for your details and then you will get right there on your phone the mystery gift from today. So text the code word WHO to 04888-45311 and you will get that gift. Don't type anything else in there, just the simple word WHO and the message bot will get straight back to you. Now it's time for this week's Inbox. This is when I browse through the Inbox and share your comments, feedback and questions. I have a text from Ian from New South Wales who says, I'm really enjoying the show. Thank you, Ian. I have a text from Jackie from New South Wales who says, thank you so much for the giveaways. And I have a text from Vince who says, thank you for the show and God bless. 
And another text here from a lady in Victoria who says, Love the show. Thank you. Keep it up. Well, thank you, everybody, for your feedback. I really do appreciate it. Now, I want to leave you with a question that I'd love to hear your answer to. In your faith experiment, have you ever found that God has a specific message for you? Let me know. I'd love to hear and share your story. You can text me your comments on 0488-45311 or you can email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au. I would love to hear your thoughts and your comments. Well, that's all for now. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Connect with us via text message on 0488 That's 0488 or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode.